And we are back with more on News Talk Saga 960. So very, very glad that you could join us on this Tuesday edition of the Mark Petroni Show. Uh, we have uh, Roman Babber on the line. Roman uh, recently went to Hamilton, uh, where he basically took part in a uh, an event uh, designed to pressure the Ford uh, government as well as the opposition under Andrea Horvath to uh, support his private members bill. His private members bill is designed to uh, try to boost the economy, but the best person to talk about that is Roman himself. So let's bring him on. Roman Babber joining us. He's a member of provincial parliament in Ontario in the riding of York Centre. Welcome once again, Roman. Good to be with you, Mark. Talk a little bit about your private members bill. Yeah, so uh, my bill basically proposes to amend the Employment Standards Act to make sure that uh, no employee in Ontario can be terminated uh, or suspended from their job because of their vaccination status or for failing uh, to disclose their vaccination status. Over the last month, I've heard from uh, literally hundreds uh, of Ontarians that they're about to or already lost their jobs. And uh, my goal is to simply protect jobs and uh, preserve lives and livelihoods. This is about respecting uh, an employee's lawful right uh, to make a different choice and not to face retribution or lose their job because of it. Well, uh, why do you think it's so important that the, that the government back it? Well, uh, I'm looking to pass it uh, to third reading immediately. Uh, and I'm looking for no one to block my bill when I introduce it and move it to third reading on October the 5th. It takes only one MPP uh, to, to stop my bill at its tracks. And I'm hoping that, uh, especially the Ford government uh, that ran on open for business, open for jobs, will not be uh, allowing potentially hundreds of thousands of Ontario employees lose their jobs. And same goes for uh, the opposition and, and Andrea Horwath. They purport to stand for the rights of workers. And, and now I'm, I'm pleading with all of them and all of my colleagues in the House uh, to protect anywhere between 100,000 to, to a million jobs. All right. Well, you were in Hamilton uh, meeting with some first responders. Uh, talk a little bit about how that went. Uh, what kind of response did you get? It was a very positive response, Mark. Um, look, we, we rely on our frontline heroes whenever we're in peril. They're just... Uh, minutes away, and and they come and help us, uh, irrespective of who we are or or what we think or certainly what decisions we make. And uh, I speak to uh, dozens of uh, police, fire, and EMS across the province who are now facing termination, uh, first suspension and then termination, for uh, making a different choice uh, with respect to their healthcare. Uh, as I said, uh, I'm in favor of voluntary vaccination, which is why I'm vaccinated myself. Uh, but we're a democracy, and we've never uh, forced people to submit to a medical procedure without consent. And sentencing someone to the unemployment line or preventing them from uh, earning a living uh, takes away that informed consent. And so I, I very much urge um, everyone to de-escalate, take a step back, and preserve uh, literally hundreds of thousands of jobs, including those of our uh, first responding heroes. Roman, talk a little bit about some of the stories that you've heard from workers who face termination uh, as a result of, of their decision, whatever it may be, to decline 
the jab at this time. Uh, you must have heard many stories and heartbreaking stories from people who say that this cannot continue. It, it's unfair. It's it's cruel. Mark, I, I'm hearing I'm hearing it from all all um, I guess sides of the spectrum, irrespective of folks' political affiliation or or approach to science or or thoughts in the pandemic. One of the first stories that that really touched me was uh, of a of a former colleague of mine who um, is a, a mother of two, very, very kind person. And um, she worked to work, she went to work at another firm years later and uh, they um, gave her an ultimatum um, that unless she um, complies by a certain date, she will be terminated. And in fact, she was terminated. It's, um, it, it's especially perplexing given that this is uh, an office environment where she could have been easily accommodated in my view but uh, she already had COVID and she hesitated uh, given that she believes she developed some natural immunity but regardless of her reasoning uh, we cannot be forcing people to do something against their will I've heard from uh, a constituent whose mom uh, was let go after 23 years on the job from uh, one of the country clubs where she was the a registered uh, health provider. And uh, they simply did not give her any other choice. Uh, 23 years, uh, she is uh, in her late 50s, which makes her uh, makes it somewhat unlikely that she'll be resituated anytime soon. And, and that's another problem is that even when folks are let go, uh, they, uh, given the trend, they'll have difficulty finding another employment, which is why I'm, I'm adamant. And I hope that um, none of the, my colleagues block my bill on October 5th and allow um, for my amendment to the Employment Standards Act to pass and prevent what I anticipate will be catastrophic job losses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're hearing that uh, healthcare professionals recently uh, in, uh, I believe it was Kingston, uh, some of them, were cut without pay, not terminated, but uh, basically suspended without pay. So we're seeing some people that uh, have, are having to be off work for two weeks. Um, it's not their choice, but it, this is forced upon these people. I mean, this is uh, a humanitarian thing at this point, isn't it, Roman? I mean, you came from the former Soviet bloc, did you not? I mean, uh, you would expect this type of behavior from an environment of totalitarianism, not in an you know in a free country like ours, though you have to ask yourself just how free we are these days. But it must trouble you to see uh, coming from where you came to this country, expecting that you would be a free individual to be able to make fundamental choices like what goes into your body. You know, <laughs> I mean, here's the state coercing people to the point of uh, threatening to have them fired. If they don't accept this, uh, these uh, COVID uh, vaccines, it sounds like something out of some dystopian nightmare. And yet here we are in the midst of it right here in Canada. Mark, we are in a very, very difficult uh, predicament all around us. Yes, I am. Uh, I, I was born in, in Leningrad, currently St. Petersburg um, in the Soviet Union. And um, I was very blessed to come to Canada uh, when I was 15, actually, to the riding that I represent. 
And I remember very much what uh, communist Russia was like. We left Russia when I was nine and I lived in Israel for seven years. But I can tell you that uh, I speak uh, to, I've probably spoken to close to 100 nurses in the last couple of weeks, definitely more than 60, 70, uh, who are um, struggling immensely because uh, for their love for the profession and at the same time by the way they're being treated. As you know, the pandemic has placed a remarkable toll on our healthcare professionals. And we love to refer to, to nurses as, as our healthcare heroes. And, and now they're astonished at uh, the type of treatment they're subjected to. They're subjected to humiliation, intimidation. Uh, I've heard from one Toronto hospital um, that specifically some of the testing, the alternative testing goes on in public so folks can see who's actually being submitted to a different regime. But uh, this is uh, astonishing. At a time when our healthcare resources are stretched thin and our primary shortage is in nurses, that the province um, is, is pushing hospitals through Directive 6 to, to effectively discipline nurses uh, who refuse to, to vaccinate. And this makes uh, absolutely no sense. And in my view, again, making a person choose between their ability to feed their family and doing something against their will is not just uh, undemocratic. I think it's inhumane. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I wanted to draw attention as well to a tweet that you posted uh, this week. Ontario's COVID-19 response has caused a mental health pandemic. And uh, Public Health Ontario is responsible for unprecedented levels of depression and substance abuse, coordination, uh, and salient, uh, whatever that is. Sally, I don't know who's, oh, I see, oh, I see. This is the health minister, Christine Elliott. Um, you know, let's, let's, you know, but says it says they'll never acknowledge the harm they caused. Um, well, I suppose they can't, can they? I mean, at the end of the day, for them to do something like that uh, would be an admission that their policies have been a disaster. Absolutely. But, uh, wouldn't it? I mean, at the end of the day. Mark, uh, you remember when I wrote my letter to the premier in January, I argued that COVID, uh, that lockdown may be deadlier than COVID. And I didn't make an economic case and I didn't make a case for jobs. My case was simply about lives and the toll of pandemic response versus the pandemic itself. And I was, I was fairly convinced that uh, we were losing more lives uh, through government action rather than through um, COVID. Uh, not to minimize, COVID is a very serious infection. It's, it, it can affect uh, select demographics worse than others, and which is why I've always urged that we protect long-term care, protect the vulnerable, but uh, locking down 15 million people actually makes them sick. And in fact, it, it appears that I was correct. Um, Statistics Canada came out with uh, their, a report for 2020, which indicated that mortality from substance abuse and alcohol abuse in 2020 increased four times, but that the increase in itself was four times greater than all COVID deaths under age 65. So in their evaluation of access mortality, which is abnormal above expected mortality, uh, four times more people died from substance abuse than from COVID. And 
that unfortunately is a catastrophe uh, under age 65 and that is a catastrophe in that we have uh, perpetuated uh, a mental health pandemic and politicians talk a big game on um, on uh, Bell Let's Talk Day on January 28th. Yeah. But when it came to protecting the, the mental health of Ontarians, uh, they decided to sweep it under the rug instead of uh, understanding and, and admitting and ending the catastrophic measures that they've put us through. And I'm not clear, maybe you could explain it to me, Roman, why it is that this fact, all these facts around uh, the damage caused by the lockdowns don't seem to be part of the debate. It, it seems that all this, all these deaths associated with the lockdowns, the suicides, the drug abuses, uh, the domestic violence, the depression, uh, that somehow that's all not discussed, that's not part of the debate. And yet um, it's, a, it's so real to so many of the people that have suffered. Can you explain why it is that somehow these facts just have not become relevant in terms of the discussion around the government's handling of COVID? You know, even even before, in addition to the, the mental health toll and, and the um, overdoses and substance abuse, we're, we also need to factor in the potential lives lost from a quarter million surgeries uh, delayed or canceled in Ontario and a quarter million cancer screenings that didn't happen uh, from March to March 2021 in comparison to the same period the year before. Once we actually do the math uh, of human life's loss uh, comparison to to COVID, uh, risk of COVID at large, we will understand that uh, it's, it's many, many times as much. Unfortunately, I think that there's uh, an unwillingness to admit an error, which would immediately call into question everything that the government has done, at least for the last year or so. I mean, the first lockdown we knew, we didn't know what we were in for. We thought that uh, we're faced with a, a virus like we've never uh, seen before. And we thought that um, the mortality rate was extraordinarily high. And so we've, we've taken extraordinary measures, uh, but come uh, second lockdown or third lockdown, it was abundantly clear that that was not the path to pursue. And in fact, uh, lockdown was not pursued in many parts of the world, uh, most notably in Asia, most countries in, in South America. Eastern Europe is, is not, are not big fans of lockdown either. And as we know, several states in the United States uh, have exited lockdown early and and more than half of them exited it uh, earlier earlier this year. So I would I would say um, there's just simply an unwillingness to own up to what would effectively amount to a deadly mistake. And that's another reason why this narrative continues. People cannot just simply say, well, COVID is not as bad really anymore as as we previously suggested that it is. But now I'm I'm completely perplexed because Yes, the vaccines appear to show some efficacy in terms of reducing bad outcomes. And if that's the case, there's absolutely no reason why we cannot move on with our lives. Yeah. The irony is that Russia, where you came from, is actually uh, easier on some of the people as far as lockdowns are concerned and forced vaccinations. That Putin, I mean, to the degree that you can trust what he says, he actually came out and said that uh, he does not favor forced vaccinations and how, you know, 
the fact that you came from the old Soviet Union and now Russia is seems to have taken, you know, a less draconian approach to these vaccines than Canada is. Uh, but I have to ask you, uh, with the time we have left, Roman, uh, there's an election next year. Have you decided uh, what you're going to do uh, in terms of running? Mark, I, I have not. And I know that that's not the question that the media is hoping for. Um, but this is a difficult decision. Uh, but now I am focused on continuing to fight um, overreaching and unreasonable and draconian uh, public health measures. And what scares me now is, you know, the lead story this morning was that three quarters of Ontarians or three quarters of Canadians are uncomfortable or experience resentment towards folks that are unvaccinated. And I'm so scared by that, Mark. I, I could never believe that Canadians uh, generally could refer to someone as those people. Th this is why we're here. This is why my family is here. This is why we're all here. It's because we are loving, kind, accepting, tolerant people. And it, it almost appears as if the fear that was previously generated with respect to COVID, some of it is justifiable, but not to the extent that it has, and definitely not at large to, to healthy folks or children, generally speaking, that now that fear is turning into hate. And we're at a very difficult juncture in our history. It's very, very important that uh, decent and kind Canadians uh, stand up for all Canadians and, and make sure that uh, we, we do not uh, accept that kind of a rhetoric and we do not cost people their livelihoods for making a difficult, a different medical choice. Yeah. That's what I'm focused on now. But that didn't happen in a vacuum, you know. I mean, that happened because the government wanted the pressure placed on the unvaccinated. They, they are the ones who did that throughout the campaign, as you well remember. Uh, you know, Justin Trudeau refused, referred to those people over there who didn't do what they were supposed to do. And so he created the environment that now the media is, is trumpeting it in a way and saying, well, there you go. You better get your vax because three quarters of Canadians are, feel, are feeling uncomfortable around you. First of all, I don't even believe that. Secondly, um, if, if anybody is to blame for uh, the schism in society between the unvaccinated and the vaccinated, it is what the government has done and what the media has been pushing in terms of fear porn. I don't know what your position is on that, but <laughs> that's the way I see it, Roman, for what it's worth. I'm, uh, I was founded <laughs> by the rhetoric of the prime minister at the beginning of the campaign. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I have to wrap it up, but thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate this, Roman. Good to be with you, Mark. Roman Babber, member of provincial parliament in Ontario for the riding of York Centre. He's an independent and uh, certainly appreciate Roman coming on the show. We're going to take a brief timeout commercial break back with more on News Talk Saga 960 and the Mark Petronas show after this.